blood in my blood too. I'm ready to smell fear. My competitors flex here. They smoked, I was hot. I want it all. Excess, the sex, much upset. Stress us. I want it all, no less. So come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Artie Era podcast, the only place where we decipher and dictate the era that rose out of the ashes of attitude. And once again, it is time to dip a toe into the wonderful world of the sea show as we take a look at the first ever heat and velocity to come from my country. Fuck the Yanks. (laughs) We're going to look at the European tour heat and velocity, but I am that. There you go. You just heard a voice. I am not on my own. I am joined by the host of the Apron Bump podcast, otherwise known, if you follow him on Twitter, as the hardest part of the ring. Hard, I suppose I'm going to refer you to. Uh, to hardest good, yeah. even. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. See, we have, we, I, we have a little issue with your name, you see, because I'm a Yorkshireman, and we don't really pronounce the letter H. So oh. you come across, to, to me, you're the you're artist. Oh, you can call me like, there's, uh, there's no you, hard it. You can call me erect if that's better or turgid. Well, yeah, anything. <laughs> I'll well, get the same message across. It's fine. 30 seconds into the show and I can guarantee my listeners will be like, yeah, he fits in. <laughs> <laughs> It'll play right into, it's an easy segue into the first match. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's get right into things then. So we're, we're, we're in the midst of the European tour at the minute in 2004. We've had. Raw and SmackDown from the Manchester. It's weird because everything that's on TV comes from the same place. Um, so Raw, SmackDown, obviously Heat and Velocity are recorded um, on the Raw and SmackDown recordings. Um, all coming from the Manchester Evening News Arena in Manchester. Now, when it comes to Heat and Velocity, um, what sort of memories do you have? Are you, uh, do, do you have any at all? And if so, are they good? Are they bad? Are they indifferent? Man, that's a good... When I, when I think of Velocity, I think of either Jamie Noble... Or like early Mr. Kennedy when he was still going by Ken Kennedy. Um, I was like, you know, I, I watched it when I caught it. You know, I didn't like make time every single week to watch Velocity and Heat. But if it was on, you know, I'd catch it. Even like the later years in Heat when like Big Boss Man was there and all that shit. And of course, Maven. That, that's how I prepared Absolutely. for this episode. I just listened to Maven's theme song on repeat <laughs> all day to get myself hyped for this. So, And it wasn't even on the show. What is that bullshit? That's how I spend my days. That's how I get motivated in the morning. Only days at end. Bang on Maven's theme tune. You jump in the shower. You're, you're away. You're away. Um, but yeah, I think you said it yourself there. With, with Heat and Velocity, there wasn't any need to, to watch week in, week right. out. But on the flip side, if you didn't have the availability of watching Raw and SmackDown week in, week out, but you got access, because I imagine, um, especially over in the States, um, Heat and Velocity were probably available to everybody. And yeah. certain you had to have certain channels to get Raw and SmackDown. I'm just presuming. Obviously, I ain't, I ain't got a clue. Um, as we we've spoke about before over in England, like uh, not so much Velocity. Um, Velocity, I was introduced uh, through the internet age and clips and stuff like that and videos. Um, but Heat, we that we were for a good maybe year, year and a half. That was a, a weekly thing in the UK. So Heat, I was always into. Mm-hmm. Um, they said Velocity for me a bit later, but yeah. If, like I said, if you didn't have access to Raw and SmackDown, Heat and Velocity, they did their best to let you know in that 50 minutes, an hour of the time that right. they had, to let you know all the main stuff that was going on. And they kept you in tabs, where I feel like in a modern-day C-show, for me, there's not... It's, it, to be fair, it is a long time since I last watched fucking main event right. or whatever bullshit. I was about to say, that's, that's kind of where yeah. main event falls in nowadays, isn't it? It's mostly like recaps and stuff like that. 
yeah, it's a bit too much recaps. I feel in modern day sea shows. I agree. Yep. I feel like this had. I think. I feel like in two thousand and three, four, five, six, goes on for a few years with Heat and Velocity um, and the various other um, incarnations we've had, like Metal Jacked and Experience, <laughs> which you still have. No, it's not I, real. I believe that you not a real show. Real. Experience. <laughs> but yeah, main event for me like these days, or or like when they try bringing back um, Saturday Night. Saturday Night's main event mm-hmm. when it, the, its old name before they turned it just into main event. Were you a big uh, Saturday? Do you remember Saturday Morning Slam? Oh God! And I, I don't believe I ever watched an episode. It was very short. All I kind of got from that was, "Hi, children, you're up watching your <laughs> breakfast. Watch some ultra, ultra friendly PG stuff." Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think they they didn't allow like punches to the head or anything. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was not enough violence in my wrestling. That yeah, exactly. Not in the fucking slightest. But I can understand the target audience, but. Again, I, it probably does get a bit too boring and lame for even your target audience of fucking five, six, seven-year-olds. Yeah, which is why it's not around they anymore. Might, I, like, when I was a young fan, I, I loved a bit of bit of blood and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> we all did. So then, let's let's get on to a bit of Sunday Night Heat then. It's 16th October, as I said, we're from Manchester Evening News Arena. Uh, we've got a brand new commentary team of Jonathan Coachman, who's making his return to Sunday Night Heat. He's been away, uh, being Eric Bischoff's number two on Raw for a while, mm. um, but they've kind of gone a bit separate ways. Um, Bischoff does his own thing now. Coach has been his, done his own thing, like presenting the Diva Search competition and shit like that. But he's returned to his rightful place as a commentator on Sunday Night Heat. But he's joined by Todd Grisham. Now, back in coach's days, he was teaming with Al Snow uh, on commentary, mm-hmm. and they had this good blend because Al Snow did Al Snow did like the Jerry Lawler, where Coach did the JR. Where I feel like Coach has now become the Jerry Lawler, where he should be the JR. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to understand the dynamic between the two because they both seemed like I could. They're they're both like just two guys having fun. You know what I mean? I think that's the that that's the kind of vibe of of the heat. Yeah, which is fun because you know you got you got to feel like these heat and velocity shows aren't as produced uh, by Vince McMahon or whoever is you know controlling the commentators. So they, they, I'm sure they have more free reign, which sometimes it's a good thing because the energy is pretty high, but sometimes it just gets a little off the rails. Uh, I think it's when you, when you have too much of the house show feel about it it can get off i think this obviously has got that house show feel because you're in um you're in england and the english fans you get a, a bit more of a a bit more rockers atmosphere in sort of situations where you wouldn't in america mm. like like uh when we got on a bit later with velocity like they were so much behind funaki and scotty tuati and right. like i don't know if you'd get that sort of but it could put it because especially a this is a, a first time it's ever happened where they, we're getting tv shows not just house shows uh in england but I think also from an English fan, I go fucking wild when wrestling comes over here. I love mm-hmm. because it it never happens. It, once a year, twice a year, if we're lucky, um, it, the wrestling will come over here. Like we don't get pay per views anymore. The days of rebellions, insurrections, and all, all that jazz right, is gone. Right. Um, so yeah, so you got a big house show feel to this. Um, but yeah, I feel like I said you've got to get that fine balance between it's still a TV show at the end of the day. We still need to produce a quality TV show. On the flip side of well, it is heat and velocity so let's have a bit of fun while we're doing it yeah yeah i feel like because like we, we were talking about modern sea shows earlier and i feel like those like main event and stuff like that they aren't at all canon to like the universe of wwe whereas at least heat and velocity yeah i mean there's because like you, we talked about on my podcast back in 2001 when they had the whole moppy angle 
with Raven and Perry Saturn. Like there were actually like storyline things happening on Heat that progressed other storylines that would happen on Raw and eventually at the pay-per-views. Um, but yeah, here and even here in 2004, it's not not necessarily storylines, I guess, unless I'm missing an aspect of that. But they're at least like building momentum for guys, like you know, not to get too far ahead, but like you know, Shelton. They've all got yeah. they've got a reason, right? Exactly. They've all, they've all got a reason um, because like the opening contest, we've got Shelton Benjamin versus Stephen Richards. Now we're leading up to Taboo Tuesday, and the big thing in the mid card on Taboo Tuesday is Jericho's IC title is available to everybody. Mm-hmm. So ev- any wrestler that's not in a match at Taboo who's not already booked is basically available for the poll. Um, and Shelton Benjamin, because they're still running and still to this day, they run with the stick that the, the voting's real. It's, it's real outcomes. Whatever happens, happens. But they are finding a way, and we've, we've seen it over the last couple of weeks of Raws, they're finding a way to make sure you vote for a certain wrestler. Right. Because he's the one we're putting over strong, and he's the one, like when Shelton Benjamin has been on the mega push. Like he had, he, he's he had his. He, well, when, when he got drafted, he had victories over Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on the mega push. He got a little injury. He made a big triumphant return. He's now took over the mid card again, and they are telling you to vote for Shelton Benjamin without using them words. Um, and that's kind of how this match was. There was only ever going to be one winner. I love a bit. I love a bit of Stevie Richards, but there was only ever going to be one winner because as the commentators kept pushing, even though they tried to push Richards as well, everyone's got a shot. But we are pushing Benjamin, and we are desperately want you, you to vote for him to go up against Jericho. You, did, you, you, you didn't think people were going to vote for Stevie Richards? No. No. <laughs> you, you didn't vote for us. I'll show you. You'll see. You weren't a big fan. You'll see. <laughs> what a weird time uh, for I, Steve Richards. Right to right to it. Uh, Right to censor, right to censor Stephen Richards. I was a massive fan, but no, this this is a weird time span. He's he's come off the back where all he's been doing maybe for the last year, he was like Victoria's bitch, uh-huh. um, and then Victoria kept ha- kept having like a secret mystery woman woman uh, invader matches, and this woman was hiding her face for a couple of weeks, and then finally got to reveal to be Stevie Richards, a broad-shouldered um, woman. Th- that was. That was the payoff. Uh, nothing's happened since, and Richards is back on heat. I don't know. I, I preferred uh, chronic Stevie Richards myself. <laughs> nah. <laughs> right to censor Stevie Richards all the way. That he was fair. one of them knobheads that you would not mind repeatedly punching him in his face. <laughs> he could fit anywhere. Even you know later, you know WWE ECW Stevie Richards was fun for what it was. I think if you remember that at all. Speaking of sea shows. Absolutely. I think Stevie Richards, he's always managed to find himself a, a spot on the card. Right. And you can't fault him for that. He's always managed to change his gimmick up and make himself a little bit more interesting and always found a way to get throughout the year, many years. Like, I remember Stevie Richards in WWE, maybe like 99 or something with the Blue World Order right. when they brought it over from ECW and stuff. And if you think he probably left, I don't know, I want to say 2007, 8, something like that, he had a good run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's never a guy that was gonna be a, a world champion or everything or anything. But like like you said, you can fit him anywhere. You could put him a manager with a woman, a manager of Chronic, uh, an ECW guy, Blue World Order. Very very versatile. The Stevie Richards is absolutely. I always remember back in the Attitude Era where um, the Blue World Order were coming out as different gimmicks. Like so, Steve Richards come out dressed as the Dudley Boys one week. Right. Um, I believe I, I'm sure they did the APA ripoff and they drew like smiley faces on their fucking chest. Um, uh, it was brilliant. He was a fun guy with Stevie Richards, absolutely fun guy. And I, I'm sure I saw something not long ago that he, uh, someone 
posted something on social media and there was a post of Stephen Richards and he's looking jacked. Uh, he's always been in very good shape. Right. Is he still wrestling nowadays? I'm not sure. Not sure. Oh, good if you wanted to. Um, I, I think the last, last time I remember him wrestling, I think was like maybe Impact, where they had the ECW version of ECW, oh, but we couldn't right. call it ECW. Hardcore Justice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, EV 2.0. Lighting. EV 2.0 was their faction. That's the one. Yep. yep. Good times. EV 2.0. Pulls <laughs> right off the tongue. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so what did you make then to our, to our opening contest with uh, Shelton Benjamin and Stevie? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was like like you said, only one person was gonna win this going into it. But um, you know, you brought up Taboo Tuesday and how it's building to both these guys are essentially in the pool to be voted in to face Jericho for the IC title. And Shelton Benjamin, correct me if I'm wrong, he's pretty fresh off of beating Triple H, right? Just a few months. Yes, yeah, it's only been a few months. Um, he had a little injury. He was gone for maybe six weeks, and then they, they started doing vignettes for his return, and mm -hmm. the, 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 the steam's still there. Yeah, they're still pushing him massively. Yeah, yeah, so he's got a ton of momentum. You know, people love him. He's something a little different than what we've been given. Um, and people seem to like Shelton Benjamin, judging from this, this episode and this match that I saw. And um, you know, the match was what it was. It was a pretty uh, solid formula of a match. You know, Stevie beat on Shelton for a little bit, and Shelton hit his big signature moves and then uh the t-bone suplex and then bob's your uncle that and then go home so yeah solid match for what it was it's always good to see shelton benjamin especially a, a younger shelton benjamin even though nowadays he's still pretty much as athletic as he was back then yeah it's um it's a weird one with shelton benjamin we spoke about this right um yeah we we spoke about this with shelton benjamin i find it really weird that um we're very interested to see kind of where the momentum and how the momentum stops because at this point, as you said, the crowd are behind him, that he's got momentum behind him, he's, he he gets he, he he does spoiler alert, he gets voted to to fight Jericho at Table Tuesday and wins the IC championship. Right. Um, so the the momentum is there. But then the, we we're slowly getting towards a very hazy period for me in wrestling. Oh five, oh six, very hazy. And then I remember Shelton coming out of this with his mum and having gold air and being the gold mm -hmm. standard. So I want to see where it fucks up in the middle there, because somewhere it goes terribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. I was about to bring up when you, you when you asked when did his momentum stop. Uh, it's around the time when he, when he brings his brings in his mama, I think, because this is two thousand four, and I think was it next year where he had that big Money in the Bank spot where he climbed the ladder and hit Jericho yeah. and that that was a huge that was, that was like a crazy spot especially for the time you didn't see that on WWE at all and I think he did even a similar spot at in a Money in the Bank match the next year at Wrestlemania so 06 so I think it was shortly it was probably like mid 06 late 06 I, if, if I remember correctly I think he turned heel at some point um, and that was probably kind of when he kind of started to he didn't really fall off a cliff or anything but he definitely plateaued for a while and he was just kind of that mid-card tag team guy I've always said I think Vince maybe maybe sort of saw him as like more of a spot monkey sort of wrestler than an actual like he can go and he can be the guy that we can run mm -hmm. with. But I think that very similar how we saw Rob Van Dam for many a year. Uh, he's the guy that yeah. can jump off stuff. He's the guy. He's got the guy that offers that wow factor. But he's not race. He's not a serious contender to anything. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, but I said Shelton. Um, but I, there were a couple of good spots in this that made me chuckle. There was one where Shelton towards the end was building momentum. He'd come off the top rope with the lariat, 
Um, he goes into the <laughs> he goes into the corner, and Grisham's like, "What's he waiting for?" Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, he's setting up the stinger splash. You fucking moron! <laughs> Just to Todd Grisham out here trying to bury Shelton Benjamin, the asshole. <laughs> yeah. By the way, <laughs> what? what's he waiting for? What in the world is Shelton Benjamin waiting for? Wait, look, apparently that. When they like did the on camera of Coach and Grisham. I love how Coach is all casual and his polo and his glasses, and then you have all stuck stick up his ass Todd Grisham with his smart suit. It's like when he showed up to a job interview being like too prepared. You know what I mean? What a goober! <laughs> I've never been a fan. I've always seen him as if you got Michael Cole from Wish. Right. <laughs> That's pretty much what uh, Tom Phillips is nowadays. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but other, yeah, not, 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 not to harp on the commentators too much, but it's funny to note that both these guys were ended up being, they, they ended up being ESPN uh, analysts within a few years. That's it's crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. WWE the stepping, stepping stone, the stepping stone into a real job. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we find out from uh, the commentators tonight. We're going to get Molly Holly and Gail Kim versus Victoria and Nidia. What a main event. If you add Trish Stratus and Stacey Keebler into that mix, that's your women's division on Raw. Oh, yeah, no, Nidia. Exactly. Sorry, I forgot about Nidia. It suffers. and the problem how, is, how could you forget? Well, there's, there's no individual feuds. That's the problem at the minute. Um, there's just absolutely none. Because um, all you've got is the heel women against the face women in various and week on right. week on week it's two on two three on three two on one it's and but there's no actual storyline or reasoning behind it apart from we're the horrible bully women and you're the facey women yeah yeah and that's a, and what a main event and unfortunately these these shows ended up i was like now nah, then hard come on come on for some eat and velocity i've got a cracking episode should have looked at the fucking results first. Should have <laughs> thought, fuck what a main event divas man women's evolution this shit telling you now oof they were man they were a long way from because i think after that shelton match they did a, a, a taboo tuesday preview not not to get out now to get too ahead of ourselves but they <laughs> the match advertised for the divas is like a battle royal but the fans get to pick what outfits they wear <laughs> yep man yep we we get nurse we get an option of a nurse a maid or a schoolgirl. And Jerry Lawler is all over the schoolgirl. Now, for a man who's got a history, now he may have got off, but he's still got a history of having sex with a minor, should not be making off-the-cuff jokes and remarks about schoolgirls. And honestly, we've, we've recently recorded, this uh, past weekend, we recorded Taboo Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I used to find Jerry Lawler absolutely fucking hilarious hilarious mm -hmm. but i don't know just something about jerry lola these days when i go back and watch his old stuff it just doesn't sit well and this is just another instance of it not sitting well because he goes wild for schoolgirl. well who doesn't right who doesn't love a good no school no. <laughs> no well even like grisham and uh coach were hyping it up like oh oh i, I think no matter what gets voted in no matter what outfit gets voted we all win am i right <laughs> punch punch <laughs> oh they got the the commentary team like even jr when it comes to taboo tuesday even jr who sometimes sometimes he lets his guard down and jokes with jerry mm -hmm. um, throughout the whole thing he was fucking loving it jr was sat by cocking and fucking crack on <laughs> loving life 
Um, so we, we move on then, and after the Taboo Tuesday commercial, we get a promo for the whole shenanigans of Kane and Lita and Snitsky to get Oof. you up to speed where we're at right now. We're a week or a week and a half removed from Snitsky hitting Kane with the chair, Kane falling onto Lita, the baby dying, Kane saying Snitsky's a dead man, Snitsky doing a promo and having a wonderful, it wasn't my fault, voice is brilliant. Uh -huh. um, and that's where we're at now. So we're approaching Taboo Tuesday um, and someone's going to die because Kane says Snitsky's a dead man. And Snitsky says, well, if you're saying I'm a dead man, I'm going to kill you before you kill me. Man. But <laughs> the, the most important thing you need to take away from this promo video is the fact that this all started because Kane raped Lita. And now <laughs> we've got six months down the line and Kane is the sympathetic babyface rapist. He raped out of love. Well, he, he basically said to Lita, right, I'm going to keep beating on Matt Hardy until you sleep with me. And she, fucking disgusting, I hate you, but go on then. Right, so he forced himself upon Lita so, because he threatened her that he'd kill her boyfriend. <laughs> Lita got pregnant because that, that's obvious, right? She gets pregnant, goes to marry Matt Hardy. Kane's having none of it. So they have, they have a match between Matt Hardy and Kane, the winner gets to marry Lita because that's how weddings work. Till death do us part, uh, Matt. Correct? Absolutely. Yep. Kane gets the victory. Um, we have the wedding. Lita's not having it. Like, I, there's so many things that aren't right here. Like, if you don't want to get married, sweetheart, you don't have to. Nobody forces you to do a hope you don't want. Wrestling or no wrestling, right? It was, it was in the contract. They lose the baby because of Snitsuke. It wasn't his fault, mind. And now... Lita's kind of fell in love with Kane and even JR. And JR fucking, oh my God, the first three months of this, of him forcing a fucking Kane to wang her, I fucking hate him. Now he's like, well, well, Jerry, I don't really like Kane, but I hope he kills fucking Snitsky. It's like everyone, everyone is pushing, they have been for the last couple of months now, to make you, I, and everybody else feel sorry for the sympathetic rapist that is Glenn. Sympathetic rapist. That should have been his nickname, not the big red machine. The sympathetic rapist. <laughs> that would that would have stolen some t-shirts, I think. That's what it is. Is this? It I is have a, a sympathetic rapist. I have a question. Is this before or after uh, Snitsky punted the baby into the crowd? Has that happened yet? Uh, this this is one week before. Oh man, that, no, that, it that's when it really next. gets. Cooking. It happens oh, as this. Yeah, uh, because the the week before he brings out he brings a, a baby stroller out, or as we call a pram over here. Um, he put, pushing the pram around um, and I, we were kind of we thought oh this is that moment and it's like oh no it's not he's, he's just pretending uh, because he launches the pram at Kane when Kane comes out and then <laughs> next week is when he, he comes out with the baby and fucking boots it into the 10th row of the crowd <laughs> man but like if we're talking Snitsky's about the Snitsky over promo as fuck. I love him already the, the Snitsky promo that they recapped I, there, there were two lines that popped me big uh, the first one was, the only thing dead around here is your baby. And then, the greatest line ever. then after that, he's like, you'll be crying like a baby when I'm done with you. And then he like cries like a baby. He does it for like two minutes brilliant. straight. It's hilarious. Snitsky's over as fuck. I love Snitsky. It's brilliant. He really did just kind of, yeah. Like, Snitsky's a face in all of this right, for me. It Kane's wasn't his fault. Kane's the evil one. I think we're Kane overlooking put, that. Kane put that. That's it. And Kane put the demon spawn inside later. Snitsky's got rid of it. Snitsky's a hero. 
Yeah, exactly. I don't know how Kane's supposed to be the good guy here. Snitsky's just trying to do the good for society. Absolutely. Um, moving on then, where did you see or notice the Day of Reckoning advert or commercial with John Cena with his little rap? <laughs> I like saw it in, in the corner of my eye. I wasn't a big GameCube, GameCube kid, so I don't have a lot of a Day of Reckoning knowledge. But yes, the John Cena, the, this era is, this era is fun. Uh, they're, they're trying their best. It, Day of Reckoning is, Day of Reckoning is sponsoring every clip at the minute. They are trying their hardest uh, to push their day of reckoning down your throat and wreck you by a GameCube. And it's tearing the streets up. Lace your boots if you think you can keep up. Overloaded roster stack with stars. Stripping divas straight down to their panties and bras. Think you can shine with the champ and learn my hustle? You need to start from scratch and earn your muscles. I never owned one. Never played it. Nah, it's for wanks. <laughs> uh, up next, we have, a, we have a quick WWE rewind of Batista making his presence felt in the IC feud. I think they're kind of hoping that if you don't vote for Shelton, you're going to vote for Batista. Um, he's kind of the, the, the their fallback plan. That's what they're hoping for anyway. Mm -hmm. What they're not hoping for is like, what I would have thought, especially in modern day, and this is probably why they've never gone back to the Taboo Tuesday Cyber Sunday stick in modern day. Because A, everyone's got access through the app and through Twitter or whatever. And B, wrestling fans are fucking horrible. So we'd vote for someone stupid and we'd ruin pay-per-views. Well, that's a that's a big thing in America right now. I don't know if you've been following it, but the stock markets are basically being driven by like a bunch of people online trying Reddit. to fuck everything. We have Reddit, <laughs> yeah. so it'd be the same exact thing. It'd be, it'd be voted in, voted in like like Tom Phillips to face the Intercontinental Champion or something, <laughs> something stupid like that. So you know you can't do that's that it. anymore. Well, that's it. The the coach is part of the uh, the poll because he's a for some reason he's an active superstar. He's an athlete. Um, now, if this would happen. In 2021, everyone would have voted the coach. Simple as the coach would have got over 100% of the votes. Exactly. Exactly. I hope they do do it, though. They should, they should just try it again. Try it again see what happens. I definitely. Definitely. I was good to it. It's a great concept. If they are legit, mm -hmm. and if it's just not kayfabe bollocks, and if it is legit voting, and our votes actually matter, which still to this day, I'm, I'm unsure. Just because it, it, the vote it went too perfect on Taboo Tuesday. Right. Too perfect. Yeah. Nothing made me go, hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just... But anyway, moving on then. Um, Up next, Chuck Palumbo versus Tadges. You look um, so good to me. Oh, it's not this one. Well, that Sorry. was... That was no, that was the Palumbo that we loved on the RA. Uh, we yes. were big Billy and Chuck fans. <laughs> but this this weird Palumbo, who we don't really know what he's doing because he only ever appears in backstage skits or battle royals on Raw and in singles matches on Veloc on Heat, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um we we don't know anything about the gimmick. The the commentators are putting him over as this he's a biker and he's a very much the Undertaker Deadman uh, biker gimmick sort of gimmick. Um, but they're not. We, we've not heard a promo. We've not heard nothing. So, He's just a big guy on on the sea show. So I remember Chuck Palumbo. I think it was like 2006 when he had the biker gimmick, and he would ride down to the ring in a motorcycle on a motorcycle, you know, just like Undertaker. And he had you know, the jeans and the chain, and he actually got a solid push in a few years from now. But I have zero recollection of this version of it. Yeah, this is this is the start. This is the original try. But there's no motorbike. There's no money spent on it. They've not even told him to grow his hair out properly yet. No, because um, he yeah, has. This is the first bash of. Has, let's it, see what we can do. He's st he still got Billy and Chuck hair. Yeah, because he has he has a bandana, but from the waist down, he looks more like he should be in too cool. 
like with the, the shoes that he had, he had like yes, weird sneakers so. and just baggy. I don't know. It was, it was a weird thing. I didn't know what he was what he was going for. Absolutely. Um, I think this match it it, it kind of did what it needed to do. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird one there. I thought, to be honest, I thought Chuck was probably going to go over being the bigger man, but it was all about Tajiri's speed and Tajiri's the guy that's on Raw. Chuck mm-hmm. Palumbo's not on Raw. Um, like the the um, the spot and the setup towards the finish at the end, I thought it was fantastic. Um, we got like Palumbo going for the power bomb, Tajiri reversed that, but then Chuck reverses the reverse into a boot, but Tajiri reverses that and then hits like a sweet chin music sort of heel kick, and that picked up the victory. I thought. It was out of nowhere, but it was just a great setup of a big man, little man combination. I agree. Yeah. And this is like, like you said, super kick. It was like a, if you made a super kick, a real kick that could actually hurt somebody. That's what basically what the jury <laughs> did. But it was weird. I was watching this match because in my timeline on my podcast, I'm in 2001 when Tajiri kind of first got there. And watching him in 2001 versus watching him here in 2004, it seems like he's lost something I, don't, I i couldn't put my finger on what it was maybe it, it's just he it made similar to like rob van dam how he kind of fell into that formula of wwe style i almost feel like it's a similar case for tajiri because it, it felt more like a formula than the what tajiri used to be in my opinion i still love yeah, tadgers i couldn't agree anymore absolutely absolutely adore him he's brilliant uh, he's one of the greatest at spitting mists that's ever been for me, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, especially his different color variations and different powers of different mists. Of course. So if you're going to use the mist, turn the mist into a story itself. Um, but yeah, I think he's he just got a bit slower, like like you said, a bit more formulaic. Um, it was it's the WWE style. That mm-hmm. it's just that itself. Yeah, it make it turns a great person boring. That's the WWE way. Yep, yep, and that's a big thing. This era, like this 2004, 2005, there's a lot of that, unfortunately. There's a lot of good stuff, but there's also a lot of guys like Tajiri and there was somebody else, maybe it was on Velocity, that I noticed a similar thing. But yeah, it's always good to see Tadgers either way. I think as well, there's a lot of, um, we've, we've mentioned this, there's a lot of big guys that come and go during this time period. Like a hell of a lot. A hell of a lot have already come and gone. Uh, like Nathan Jones, he's come and gone. Luther uh, Matt Rains. Morgan's come and gone. I know he comes back in a bit with his stuttering gimmick. Uh-huh. Um, we've got Luther, uh, there's Mark Jindrak, there's various big guys that appear and just never, not even big guys, there's a lot of mid-carders that appear and but they're only here for a cup of coffee and you never see them or hear of them ever again. Yeah, it's just... Where yeah. like, if you if you go back to like the Attitude Era, even up to like, but end of 2001, you could name a solid roster of maybe 15, 20 guys that have probably been there for four, five, six years. Mm-hmm. It's full Hall of Fame. Apart from like your guys that you've still got there now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and like, if you look at all your, apart from like John Cena and Batista and Randy Orton, um, all your other main guys now were the guys that were massive five years ago. Right. They've, they've not, they've, they're struggling to, they're struggling in that period. And I think going forward, I know we push, John Cena to the moon, Batista when he finally breaks away from Evolution. They're slowly at the minute pushing Randy Orton. Um, but then, for me, that's where it stops. Then we don't create anybody else for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like SmackDown goes on to be like Booker T, Undertaker and Batista's show. Raw's got Shawn Michaels, John Cena. It's just, yeah, they, and then they just don't create. And then we've just got this big mixed bag of various singles guys, tag guys that just come in and out, in and out for like I said, three, four, five, six months at a time, and mm-hmm. you never see them again. Very, yeah. very weird time. 
yeah. which is why I love watching going back because it's a fucking very strange. Oh, it's it's, very strange. it's a great time capsule to go into because yeah, I don't remember a lot of the stuff. Like like I said, I don't remember this Chuck Palumbo and when we get to the main event, there's some stuff that I don't remember, but we'll get into that. Um, so moving on, then we we uh, run down the Taboo Tuesday card. Um, and then that leads us on to highlights from Raw with the three-on-three three of the three main contenders for Triple H's title. So it was four to begin with, but Randy Orton had to beat Batista to get a shot at, to be in the poll. Uh, Evolution shenanigans, Randy Orton didn't win. So then it went down to three. You've got choice of Benoit, Edge or Shawn Michaels. Um, and they are pushing hard Shawn Michaels. But Edge himself is currently in... Uh, I'd probably say the fourth or fifth week of his like proper heel transition, where he's mm-hmm. using. It started where he, he used the ropes to for a pinfall, and then he used the ropes again the following week, and then he started screaming at the crowd and stuff. And it's been tiny, tiny little elements of it. Um, but then you'll get him coming out and saving Benoit and Michaels, and and doing the facey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a real it, yeah. He's on, he's on the turn. Obviously, the turn helps when he starts banging Matt Hardy's girlfriend. Of that course. helps him fucking. That'll, that'll, that'll always do it. The highlight, one of the best thing that ever happened to Edge's career was banging Matt Hardy's girlfriend, um, <laughs> from a heel character perspective. Uh-huh. Um, but so yeah, we get the we get the three on three at the end. Uh, we find out the following week on Raw, Bischoff makes a match. It's triple threat because the voting starts for Table Tuesday on that night at the time where that match is going to begin. So they're hoping that somebody is going to try and sway the votes. Coming into it, I thought the fans potentially were going to go with Edge just because of how much they're pushing him. I thought, well, yeah, let's go with Edge and let's see. But no, the spoiler alert, they go with Shawn Michaels. And unfortunately, Shawn Michaels, next week, he ruptures his meniscus in his right leg, I think it is. Um, and has to wear the big Steve Austin uh, leg brace at Taboo Tuesday and can't fucking do anything. The match is terrible. Really? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't they remember. Should, they should have picked Edge. I don't remember that match at all. So that's, that's probably why. It probably made a pretty forgettable match. Yeah, it's got nothing, nothing. They, well, that, the, one of the main reasons it didn't main event, the main event at Taboo Tuesday was Ric Flair and Randy Orton. Um, and when you've got a world heavyweight title, Triple H, um, you expect fully expect that to be the main event. But because Shawn Michaels couldn't go, you got it was like 15, 16 minutes, uh-huh. uh, and you got 10 minutes of that. Triple H just working over the leg because Michaels couldn't do anything. Michaels rallied a little bit towards the end, but couldn't do anything. So the so the main event of Taboo Tuesday was Randy Orton versus Ric Flair in a steel cage. Man, I have no with a hell of a lot of blood, a hell of a lot of blood. You know what <laughs> made me laugh earlier in the uh, the Taboo Tuesday commercial? The picture they used for Ric Flair was probably from 1997. The picture they use for everybody. <laughs> if you go go back and look at them, that every picture you use are like a terrible render image from, like you said, 97, 98, 99. Mm-hmm. They're awful. Like the Bischoff, the Bischoff image they use is like from 2002. Right, yeah. <laughs> when he first came when he first came to WB's. It's, yeah, they, they, I don't know who was behind that, but my God, they were having a lazy day. Yeah, yeah. In a time where they're trying to focus on the internet and stuff, you'd think they'd get some good graphics guys in there, you know? Well, there there was a running joke for probably a good six months after they changed the tag belts, they never changed the graphic. And they right, just kept yeah. them with the old graphic for ages. And they thought, and then somebody realized and all of a sudden they changed it. But yeah, they're very slack at the, uh, the WB marketing division, it seems, at the minute. Very much so. Very if much there so. is a division, it might just be one guy. Yeah, <laughs> this guy named Bill. 
<laughs> some big neck beard just sat in his fucking basement. Yeah. I'm the graphics guy for WWE. It's probably accurate. Probably accurate. Well, Taboo Tuesday is sponsored by 1-800-CALL-ATT for click calls. Taboo Tuesday is a raw production and comes your way live this Tuesday from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, exclusively on pay-per-view. 1-800-CALL-ATT for click calls. Free for you. Cheap for them. Are you ready for the main event of Sunday Night Heat? Uh, it is the your women's division. Um, and let's let's uh, let's go straight to the the most important bit of this entire contest. First, before you dancing at the start. But before, can you hear the car horn in the background by any chance? A little bit, yeah. I think it's trying to stop. Oh, yeah, us come now. It's trying to stop us from talking about this match. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can wait until somebody figures it out, or if we can just keep going, give me some background music for it. That's it. Yeah, it's not me. You can, uh, you can give your thoughts on the on the dancing with some with some honking in the background to the, to the beat of the honking. All right, here we go. Here we go. This fucking sucked. <laughs> this fucking sucked. There we go. There's my song. Um, yes, it wasn't. Uh, it was a very weird. Like I, like I mentioned a bit ago, the Divas Division. The whole thing in general, it's it's fucked. Like SmackDown, they don't even have a division. They've got Tory Wilson and they had Sable, um, and that's like literally all they have. They're they're yeah. not bothered. They couldn't give a fucking. Well, they don't have a title over about, there, right? <laughs> about about wrestling, no. Um, and they have a title. And don't get me wrong, right? On Raw, we've got some very good women's wrestlers, right? Victoria, she's very good. Um, you could Gail Kim. Who's one of the fucking best there's ever been, in my opinion. Absolutely. But they're not used to that sort of... Look, Molly Holly, another great women's wrestler. But they're not used to them sort of capabilities, what they're able to do. They're used because they're women. Yeah, it's... And we've got a women's division. It's, it's they, yeah, it's so bad. That's See, all that they've got boobs. We'll put them in skimpy outfits. Right. They've got boobs. <laughs> and SmackDown, that's what they do. SmackDown just do bra and panties. Everything's bra and panties. Everything's lingerie. Raw, they still got to try and go with the, their wrestlers. But they're not. You know what Vince is... In his mind, they're just like, put six women in a ring and because we've got to. There's no thought that goes into it. No, just like this match, there's there hardly any thought that went into it. Victoria saved this match, in my opinion. I don't think we we, we took enough time to speak about the entrance of uh, Victoria and Nydia. It was um, so you had Victoria's theme music was like go 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 like that kind of shit, and then so her and Nydia are basically Victoria's theme music. I'll have you know. Go ahead with your bad self, with your bad self, with your bad self. Nah, Gold lady with your bad self, with your bad self, with your bad self. I, I wanted some tattoo, <laughs> god damn it. The, all, all the things you said, all the things you well, said. Well, that's what right I said. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, when she made a return at the Rumble, I was like, oh, so Vince wasn't paying no loyalty rights to fucking tattoo, was he? Right, exactly. He was just going, it's your girl with your bad self, with your bad self. Well, they did like the slower version for her later. I thought that was pretty badass, but this was just, it didn't match her. Like she was like this, this big, strong, athletic woman. And she's coming out here and dancing and humping Nydia. 
which by the way, Nidia, I don't remember this version of Nidia at all. When I think of Nidia, I think of Jamie Noble taking her to Applebee's and shit like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nidia got drafted. Uh, when they had the draft, uh, Nidia was one of the draft on-screen draft picks. She was going to take over the women's division, and she's done absolutely fuck all right. ever since she moved. I don't, over, I don't think she apart ever from saving whichever is the face at peril. Yeah, like I said, I don't remember seeing her on Raw or anything in this era. Very occasionally she pops up, yeah. But like I said, she doesn't really have a match. She usually pops up to save somebody else from getting a beatdown from the bullies. Right, right. Well, you need that, I guess. <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, Victoria, though, with her, with her entrance. Um, it's gone through various different forms over the last few uh, few weeks and months. Uh, the original gimmick uh, was she would was like being a stripper, so she'd come out in like um, like a tuxedo, but just a jacket and the trousers uh, and pants. Yes, I remember this. Um, and she'd come out. The music would start. She'd start doing this sort of uncomfortable, sexy dancing where she's trying to be sexy, but she's not really. Um, and then she rips off the clothes and then obviously comes to the ring. That lasted a week. One week, and then the next week she came out with what you're seeing now. With she comes out and does this weird. It's really I find her, her entrance very odd and strange. Where she comes out with all this hype and then just stops in like a very stationary position and looks into the camera weird. And it's it, it does like I said it doesn't fit. Victoria is this she's a badass right. and she's coming out fucking dancing and that and yeah it, it doesn't fit for me. It doesn't fit for me. Yeah. But that's enough of me. What did you make to to our main event? Honestly, man, I like blacked out out of anger when I saw that entrance. I don't really remember. <laughs> like <laughs> this whole show is like, like you ever like w walk outside and it's snowing and it's, but it's like that slushy liquidy shitty snow and it hits you in the face when you're walking outside. But like, once you get back inside, you like, you're fine and you kind of forget about it. You look out the window, you don't even see it sticking to the ground. That's kind of what this episode of Heat was like. It was a lot of shit. But then, and then when I was done watching it, I was like, what, what the hell just happened? And that's kind of <laughs> what this made of <laughs> to me. It was a fine match, I guess. It was this was this was one of the this was one of the poorer episodes of Heat, in my opinion. Um Velocity, which we'll get onto very shortly, um, was a lot more fun. The, I feel like the crowd were a lot more hyped for SmackDown than they were for Raw. Was uh, these agree. are recorded before uh, Raw and SmackDown, which is which is funny because it's they're both taped, so you you would think they would just add in canned canned tears, right? Absolutely, where the the majority of the matches on Heat, especially this match, had absolutely no reaction. Like um, there was a couple of good good moments again for all Victoria. Um, the TKO, uh, she did like a TKO into a sidewalk slam, which was a beautiful move. And then she finished with a Widow's Peak, which I always think is a great move. Oh, yeah. And to Gail Kim to get the victory. And the crowd were like, yeah, can we have Raw now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where I feel like the, Smack, the, the, the SmackDown crowd at Velocity, they were hyped, man. They was up, they were ready. They were, they were, they, yeah. they couldn't wait for SmackDown. But they, want, they were enjoying Velocity just as much. Um, so, yeah, so that was Sunday Night Heat then. So, I guess uh, what we like to do on the IA era is we Maven scale. So, zero Mavens is obviously dog shit. Uh -huh. Five Mavens is Maven general managing Monday Night Raw. Oh, the greatest episode of Monday Night Raw in existence. Of course, of course. So, how, how, many, how many Mavens would you give to this episode of Sunday Night Heat? Well, my first... My first reaction is to give it zero mavens because there were zero mavens on this show and i was very upset i agreed to do an episode of heat with you purely because i wanted some maven in my life 
and there were zero mavens on this show. You just give me a shitty iteration of Chuck Palumbo. You give me a Shelton Benjamin squash, and you give me Victoria buttfucking nitty on the stage. You know what? I'll give it one maven just to be nice. How about that? <laughs> oh, one. Well, see, I was giving it a point five. Uh, it's a very, very bad episode of Heat. I was expecting big things. I think. First episode of Heat to come from Manchester. I was expecting <laughs> big things, and it delivered absolutely I, fuck all. Personally, I enjoyed the uh, the Snitsky recap probably more than anything else on this show. Yeah, this was this was definitely a show that you'd watch more for the recaps than you would the actual content that's going on. Right, yeah. 100%. This is everything that Heat shouldn't be. Exactly. I agree. turnbuckle this may be the chance Nydia has the only chance she has to reach Victoria's outstretched hand Nydia's been in the ring for what seems like an eternity can't she reach her tag team partner net, no net, 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 no Easy. she kicks Molly Holly off can she reach Victoria she does Victoria straight shot another one to Molly she's taking on two women here a clothesline Victoria so excited to be in the ring after an eternity in the sidelines and now she's got gail kim up and down a sidewalk slam for the win hook and leg no wait a second nydia finding her second win delivering a spear there and now victoria oh she's got gail kim up this is it it's the widow's peak and rolling it up we've done it in a bit backwards we'll we'll go backwards in time from sunday to saturday um, it's Velocity, again, we're coming from Manchester, and we got st- kicked straight away with Bubba Ray and Devon making their entrance as the high-pitched, girly voice of Josh Matthews, it fucking, like, ch- like nails down a chalkboard. <laughs> uh, he welcomes us to the show, along with his announced partner for this evening, Bill DeMott. Um, any any recollection or memories of Bill DeMott on commentary? Oh, you mean Hugh Morris? Humor, humorous. <laughs> you get it? Uh, it's funny. Oh, humorous. Everybody laugh with us. We're all having fun. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Bill DeMott. <laughs> laugh at me, goddammit. <laughs> he was like shitty white Taz, basically. Bill DeMott was. And then Josh Matthews. Yeah, absolutely. Josh Matthews. I actually kind of enjoyed Josh Matthews in a way in this era, at least more so than his recent stuff with Impact. Like his recent commentary is just like nails on a chalkboard. I don't know what it is, but Josh Matthews, just I don't know, young, excited Josh Matthews. I can get behind that. I think that's it. I think that's that you've hit nail on the head. He's excited. You've got so much enthusiasm. Don't get me wrong, his high pitched girly voice, that goes through me. But his enthusiasm comes across. Right. And you can if you can get past the annoyance of his voice, he is very, very enthusiastic. Where build him out on the other side, he comes across exactly how it sounds in real life. He's just a miserable old fuck. Yeah, he sounds like he's, like, bothered that he has to do this. Like, he has other plans, and he, like, doesn't want to be there. He's being forced into doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking not here whatsoever. Uh, so, Bubba and Devon make their entrance. Bubba's going in singles competition tonight. His opponent is Rico, and this is something you that Velocity do so all the time. There you go. You can sing it me. now. There we go. There we go. I nailed it. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, so Velocity, they have a lot of shit going on with the Dudleys. Dudleys, their feuds always seem to start at Velocity, or they use Velocity as a platform for the feud. Mm-hmm. So this match has been made, uh, when we see highlights, uh, because uh, No Mercy, the Dudleys, were up against Charlie Haas and Rico. Um, <laughs> Bubba Ray, he wanted a kiss from Jackie Gadia, but Rico delivered one instead. Bubba was absolutely fucking shocked <laughs> that a man had put his lips on another man, throwing up and everything. Um, and because of this, it's time for the blow-off. No pun intended. <laughs> in Velocity with Rico and Bubba Ray Dudley. I thought it's fucking brilliant. Love it. Love it. Um, what they didn't show you, though, at No Mercy, which was a great, great element of this feud of Bubba and Rico. Um, after Rico had kissed Bubba, Bubba then went to the outside. He got a drink of water. He was throwing up. He'd come back in the ring. He got on the offense. And it was brilliant because he was punching Rico while giving him shit. So he was going, don't do you do ever do kiss do me do again do, 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 do. it's fucking that's, brilliant that's quite a spot. picture I, I can picture it in my head I, I know exactly what it looks like even though i didn't see it <laughs> are, are you familiar with ring of honor at all bits it depends what year so you, you probably don't know about this but in 2002 there was a tag team called the christopher street connection does that ring any bells no, not in the slightest. So they were a tag team, a, a very gay tag team. And it was around the same this t- same time period. So for all intents and purposes, society was the same in terms of gay people. And this was a point in time where, like, man, like, I feel like the word homophobia gets thrown around nowadays a little too often. But watching this stuff, man, it's like like the commentators are like, oh, my God, he kissed a guy or, or some shit like that. And like Bubba Ray Dudley is, is incensed at the even mere like possibility that Rico could be attracted to him. And by the way, this is the second show in a row where there is unsolicited butt fucking. You got Victoria and Nydia on heat, and now we got <laughs> Bubba Ray and Rico here. So there's a lot, a lot of cohesion here. A lot of long-term storytelling is what I'm seeing. That's it. Um, I, I absolutely adored when uh, Josh... He asked Bill Demott, what's it like being kissed by Rico? And Bill got so offended. Oh, yes, of course. He was like, what the fuck are you asking me that for? What, Don? How dare you? What, what, what are you trying to say? Oh, Bill, and that was like, that That was no wrestling commentary. That was Bill Demott, the, the white meat baby face. What do you, <laughs> okay. what do you think? I'm some sort of street foodie or something? <laughs> highly offended. Uh, and then at the start of the match was brilliant. Uh, Rico with a little squeeze on the arse of Bubba. Uh, Bubba comes into him drop toed and like he just starts dancing and then Bubba turns to the ref and goes this is wrestling you don't grab another guy's bum <laughs> <laughs> loved it the men's dressed in violent you don't grab another guy's bum the fact that Bubba said bum and then uh, Rico then has a go on the referee has a little squeezy squeezy on the ref because yeah, he's gay um, and they're gay, and then, gay people are attracted to all <laughs> men absolutely we got a big, I don't know if you picked up on this, um, we got a, a, the first uh, body slam from Bubba to Rico. We got a very small, you ate all the pies chant from the front row. Oh, I know, yeah. You ate all the pies is a, is a very popular, very popular football chant over in England, where it's aimed at a fat person saying, you ate all the pies, you ate all the pies, <laughs> you fat bastard, you fat bastard, you ate all the pies. And I just loved how there was only like four of them that were trying to get it over and they give it one line of, you ate all the pies! And then it stopped. So I thought, yeah, you, you tried your best and failed. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. But now that you tell me that, that's hilarious. I wish that was something that caught on more nowadays. Well, I guess not nowadays, but when this crowd's back. Let's try, let's try <laughs> to bring that back. Absolutely. 
Um, I always remember uh, back in, was it 99, 98, 99 with Capital Carnage uh, over in London? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I think it was the big boss man was out and the crowd were going, you fat bastard, you fat bastard, you fat bastard. <laughs> uh, the big boss man and uh, proper dicking on him. It was brilliant. Um, I loved how... <laughs> Uh, Rico, he, was, um, he picked Bubba's ankles and then kind of smothered him. Something that you'd see Kurt Angle do. Right. And then Bubba just turned it and goes, Bubba turns it to Rico and goes, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> he's an athlete, right? He's 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 very flamboyant, but he, he's, a, he's a good wrestler too. Just trying to put over. <laughs> oh, he is. That, that's one thing that Rico has. Rico is a very good wrestler. He's very flamboyant. I feel like he's, he's a weird cross combination of like gold dust and fucking... Kurt Angle, <laughs> he's a great wrestler. Uh, it, it, some of his moves are brilliant, and some of his kicks, some of his kicks are so stiff. Right. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's so flamboyant. It's the, it's the gold dust element. Um, I, I, I loved it when he, uh, when Devon tries getting involved towards the end of the match, and uh, Rico just gives him a massive kiss. And again, Devon is just shocked, just stared into amazement of what just happened to him. It's like now I've had both of them. Spike, where the fuck, Spike? <laughs> <laughs> um, did you notice that the segment where Rico goes over and it looks like Bubba's going to hit um, like a drop down on him uh, and Rico falls out of the way it's like a Rikishi sort of splash a sit down splash oh yes uh, I expected Rico to stay there and to beg for him to do it <laughs> what I was like come on Bubba <laughs> drop it on me drop it on me I, that, I would not put it past them from what we saw earlier in this match that would fit right in there <laughs> and I loved um Rico's moonsault, by the way, for me, it's one of the better moonsaults of the current roster they've got at the minute. Uh, going back to what I said about his wrestling ability, Rico is brilliant, but Rico was never going to get the one-on-one victory against Bubba Ray Dudley as more Devon interference picks the ankles. Uh, that allows Bubba to hit the Bubba Bomb, one, two, three. And for me, a very fun match. If you put that compared to Sunday Night Heat's match, uh, their opening contest with Shelton and Stevie, I think Velocity wins hands down. Yeah, I think Bubba Ray versus Rico is better than all the matches on Heat combined. Absolutely. He had entertainment, he had comedy, um, he had Bubba just being Bubba. Like, Bubba's one of my favorite trash talkers that's ever existed. Uh, where during the match, he just he know, knows what to do and what to say. He's very much like I compare him to or compare uh, modern day Kevin Owens. Um, mm-hmm. like Kevin Owens and the heel Kevin Owens he used to beat on you in the ring but he'd be talking bollocks to you while he's doing it loud enough for everyone to hear then he'd be talking bollocks to the crowd while he's still beating up and really working as a heel I think Bubba Ray Dudley heel is, is fantastic Yeah, this... it puzzles me why it never got over uh, or they never tried they never tried to get him over as a singles heel star yeah it was, it was a weird time for the Dudleys because this is actually a few months after I went to my first wrestling show and that was uh, Great American Bash 2004 and that was the one which i'm sure you remember where the main event was undertaker versus the dudley boys and uh paul bearer gets buried in, in the concrete and all that stuff so oh, I, yeah. I saw this iteration of the dudleys and it always i don't know it kind of seemed like they were getting away from what made them cool and like ecw or like even early wwf and they were kind of just they, they weren't generic at all but it's almost like like heel dudleys i don't know and i think you know shortly after this they go to tna right yeah, it's it's not long. It's not long that they're, they're not around because they obviously they had the split with the draft. Uh, they tried pushing them both as single stars. Devon being the Reverend and Bubba just being right. a Dudley. Yeah. Um, and then they got back together, and it's what Mike 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 McCollum's done. Our era. He refers to him. This is the pajama era, 
where the Dudleys come out in their pajamas every every time. <laughs> well, they're on Velocity, you know. Well, am I gonna put my actual gear on for Velocity? Oh no, this is oh no, this is their actual gear. Oh, this is the gear they wear on pay per views and Raws and right, right. They, yeah. they, it's like they're not trying anymore. No more. Just, like, like I said, they, it's, no. they've turned. They've, they've just turned. Yeah. No more camo. No more glasses. No more like even like the was up thing and the, all the table stuff has been toned down. Now they're just kind of normal dudes. Yeah, I, absolutely. In in a very very pathetic across both brands, if you added them together, tag team division, it's basically non-existent. Both brands together, there's about six teams. It's uh, there's, there's no push. Hence why, like you mentioned, the Dudley's having a feud with the Undertaker and stuff, and yeah, there's very little, very little. Um, I suppose very little things to keep wet your appetite. For the Dudley, there's no there's no acolytes, there's no right. Hardys, there's no Edge and Christian, there's no one to really sink your teeth into. They were more, it's, uh, more it's, so. Yeah, it's a very very weird time. Like the henchmen for Paul Heyman, more so in this era. Maybe that's over at this point, but that, that, that's what I remember from them in this era. Yeah, that's exactly what they were. That's how it, that's how they got turned heel. They became Paul Heyman's henchmen and right. the feud with the Undertaker and stuff. And and, and now and now they're running with Spike, but Spike's the boss. Of course. So Spike tells. Spike tells Bubba and Ray what Bubba and Dave on what to do, and they follow. It's like Spike's got nudes of his brothers or something. They they do everything Spike says. Probably, I mean, you know, Bubba Bubba strikes me as a guy that wouldn't mind his sausage getting put out on the internet. I don't know, something about it just tells me that. <laughs> yeah. And we all know Devon's back. Promote it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on, then uh, we see for fuck's sake. We get a little video clip of Manchester's finest um, interviewing them before the the they enter the arena for the, the <laughs> TV tapings. Um, any any thoughts? No, no thoughts at all. <laughs> okay. It looked like a lot of them had come from places that weren't Manchester as well. There weren't many Manx that they'd actually interviewed. It sounded like we had a couple of lads from Bradford. They were uh, an Irish lad. They were like, <laughs> "Did you not vetted them to find some like Manchester folk?" Hey, to, to, to Americans, all people in Europe are the same. So, it is what it is. Well, that's it. To to, to the foreigners, we all sound like we come from London. Yeah, <laughs> we're well, all you're all like in the same place, right? That's it. The same culture, all all, all of it. It's all the yeah. same. Don't wear that. Don't wear that. Not in the slightest. <laughs> Not in the, but that is another topic for another Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Um, move on. We get um, we get the same taboo uh, Tuesday commercial we got on heat, um, and then we get uh, battle royal highlights uh, for the U.S. title number one contendership, which is currently U.S. titles held by Carlito. Um, he beat John Cena in his debut match, and then John Cena has got into an altercation in a nightclub, and he's had a severe puncture wound. And at the minute, the mm. doctors are severely fighting to save his kidney. I like how casually. So we have, we have how casually we've got to have a battle royal there. to decide the. Uh, abs oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. They're they they're, they're trying their hardest to keep to save his kidney, uh, but it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. It'll be that fine. We in space for a couple of months. His scar will fuck off. Exactly. Yeah, because they mentioned it during the next match, Orlando versus Funaki. And they're literally like, oh, so John Cena, he got stabbed. Uh, doctors are trying to save his kidney. They're, they're fighting for his life. What? Now a headlock takeover by Orlando George. Like, they just keep going through the match. <laughs> it's like, um, shouldn't we spend more time on John Cena trying to get, uh, attempted murder on John Cena? I feel like we're just glossing over that. It's, it's very similar to um, uh, WrestleMania 15, Undertaker and Bossman. Bossman's right. there hung from the cell. And Michael Cole's like, 
I don't even know what I'm seeing. This is horrible. But anyway, up next on WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Oh, yikes. For fuck's sake. Uh, and then we get our weekly regular Josh Matthews recorded comments as he leads us into SmackDown highlights. We get them every week. You can tell he record them in a studio because his audio is so much different to his audio that comes across when he's calling a match. That seemed natural right, to like, me, yes, man. Yes, on SmackDown, we saw it. You just hate Josh no, Matthews. Not, I will not have this Josh Matthews <laughs> slander on this podcast. Well, unfortunately, this is the place to be for Josh Matthews. <laughs> it's tough shit. <laughs> Um, and that leads us into highlights of Carlito versus Rey Mysterio from Smackers. Um, uh, Rey Mysterio, he won the Battle Royal after a great um, final, like, six, seven minutes with Kurt Angle, where they literally had a, a, a two-man Battle Royal. There was about eight near falls of them getting thrown over the ropes, and I was, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Uh, I definitely recommend anyone go back and just watch. The Battle Royal itself sucked, but that last, like, five, six minutes, fantastic. Um, and then we get another another WWE clip, a recap of Heidenreich beating himself up in the ring. Now, this is a weird one because this is art imitating life, where this is only something I picked up about what, since doing this podcast. Now, there was a because I, I found like um, old historical dirt sheet stories and reports, and there was a report uh, about a month before this episode of Velocity of Heidenreich was disappointed with his performance in a match on SmackDown, and many saw him backstage in the corner of a, a, a corner of the locker room repeatedly punching himself in the head and telling him he's got to improve and get better. And they've now turned this into a gimmick, obviously, <laughs> where Heidenreich is now punching himself. He's trying to do a bit of poetry. Fans aren't having it, so he starts punching himself in the head. Well, that's, that's a great example. You, you were talking earlier about how they just, in, in this time period, they were bringing guys in, a lot of times big guys like Heidenreich, and they would try him for like a month and then just can him. <laughs> like him, Snitsky, <laughs> Luther Reigns, all these guys, they just like, I mean, to be fair, none of them are particularly good in the ring, so I can kind of see why they bend them off a little bit, but it's like, man, nobody really had like a, a long-term chance at anything during this time. No, not at, not at all. Not at all. Vince just saw beef. Mm -hmm. and Vince were like, mm, he's big. I didn't think can he wrestle? Yeah, but mm, he's big. We'll figure it out. And that was it. And then, and then we put him on. And then we put him on TV. He's like, yeah, he'll find a way. Stick him with Kurt Angle. Stick him with the Undertaker. Stick him with the Big Show. Stick him with people that know how to work. Did it work? Nope. No. No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Uh, and then up next it is our next match. It is Orlando, not that OJ Jordan, going up against <laughs> Funaki, SmackDown's number one announcer. Uh, before that, we get the sponsors, and I love the sponsors because it really gives you an idea of the target audience of WWE during 2004. We've got Clearer Silver Men, we've got 1-800-CALL-ATT-COLLECT, and we've got Mission Paintball. <laughs> hey, man, me watching that, I was, what, 11 years old at this time? I was, that, that got to me. It got to me, so that's, that's all that matters, right? That's it. That gives you an idea of the target yeah. audience. Uh, I always find during this time, these Starburst and Snickers, there to like Snickers are one they've stuck with and they, they carry on with, like they'll always have a pay-per-view mm -hmm. these days of Snickers love involvement Snickers were one they jumped on that WWE train many years ago and thought right this is a money train like yeah it may cost us a million to advertise but the eyes that are looking at our chocolate bars yeah all you, over it. just like clear just like clear it's silver. funny you bring up Snickers because if you did you watch the the Royal Rumble this past Sunday I did yes yes did you <laughs> notice when bianca belair won the rumble like right in, in between her winning and her pointing to the sign with the pyro they put 
this huge like logo on the screen. We're so excited to provide Snickers as our advertiser for <laughs> Russell. Like it was so like out of place. It was such like a weird placement. Like I, I can't imagine what they paid to get that in the middle. Of That's the it. Yeah, it's like we, we want we want it. Uh, yeah, we want to be advertised at the moment where someone points to the sign. Vince is like, "That's ten million dollars." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, why not? Um, so yeah, uh, well before we got to the match, it made me chuckle. Uh, as I think it was OJ that was making his entrance, uh, build them up. He says that over in England, the English people call velocity billocity, <laughs> and I was like, sorry to disappoint you, Bill. No, we don't, was... and we never will. <laughs> Fucking shut up, stupid Bill. Bill's just trying to make himself <laughs> pop because he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so what did you make then to not that OJ versus SmackDown's number one announcer? Man, well, I have a few th- I have a few, few problems. First of all, Orlando Jordan and his hilariously generic entrance music. It's like music they've used for like background music for all like their promos and stuff. That was the first thing I noticed. Um and also you you probably not that OJ. Why are these guys calling him OJ? We're not that far. <laughs> <laughs> we still remember exactly. <laughs> call him or change his name if you want to go by his initials but don't call him oj for god's sakes we're only gonna think... call him the juice yeah even <laughs> call him literally call him orange juice and that would be better than calling him oj <laughs> oh god but then yeah like i said earlier that this match is going on and then commentary just like casually slips in oh yeah john cena's stabbed he might die anyways uh so next move um <laughs> but it was fun, you know. We we talked about it earlier. This crowd for Velocity was pretty hyped uh, for the show in general. They were pretty hyped. They they loved Funaki. Good God, they loved Funaki. Um, but yeah, it's a solid match. Like you said, you know, it's a Velocity match. It's not going to be a five star Tokyo Dome classic or anything. But no, never, never. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there was a there was a couple of good spots. Uh, Orlando loves his little boxing shuffles and his. That's kind of the that's it. Orlando's repertoire. That really is. He's mm-hmm. just punches. Yeah, boxing punches. Um, Funaki, Funaki's Funaki, and he flies around the ring when he needs to. Uh, I love the high cross body. What OJ rolled through. I actually thought that was going to be the the pinfall. I thought that yeah. was going to be the finish. Yeah, and I, was I, like, I well, bet on that if one we, too. If we're trying to put OJ over, like OJ's running with JBL, is that how we're going to put OJ over? So I'm kind of glad that they didn't go with that as the finish. Um, I loved how halfway through, uh, Josh, he was like, um, I know the match is going on, but next week on SmackDown, million dollar tough enough. And it's like, and then instantly I was like, oh yeah, that's coming around the corner, oh, isn't man. it? Definitely need to try and find some footage of that shit. Yes. Yes. We need to, I have a, I have a lot of questions about that commercial that happened after this too. Samson. I like Samson. He was one of my early favorites. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I actually watched the tough enough, um, but it just made me laugh because I might have even asked you this before, but have you seen the show Love Island? Oh, yes. Of course. That's because they're showing all these guys. And, you know, maybe I'm misremembering, but no one was doing anything like athletic or in a wrestling ring. It was just a bunch of shirtless guys working out, uh, posing, doing bad promos. It looked more like a reality show for, for like like a Love Island or a Bachelorette or something. Rather than a guys, guys are gonna beat each other up. By all accounts, um, they had because Michael Cole put uh, plugged it. Um, they had that to send a VHS in of a sixty-second clip of themselves. 
do some do some bumps do some suplex your grandma fucking hit your <laughs> hit your uncle with a steel chair do something there was one guy in particular that i really enjoyed because so what he was going for right he was cut, cutting a promo or whatever and he was basically he was trying to say that he's not the rock he's not triple h but he's going to be the next wwe superstar which is fine it's fine on paper but the way he phrased it was i'm not a great one I'm not damn good. But, <laughs> so it's like, brother, you're, you're burying I'm yourself. I'm fucking <laughs> shit when I'm on my way to WWE. It's not even like I'm the, I'm the next superstar. I'm the next champion in WWE. It's like, I'm the next guy that's going to be in WWE. <laughs> Yeah. I'm the next fucking Maven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can only hope. We, we can all only hope to be Maven. Uh, we, we jumped a little, uh, probably I jumped ahead a little bit. Um, end of the match with Orlando. What did you make to his really shit neck breaker that got him the three count? Well, he stole it from Lita. That's the first thing I noticed. <laughs> God. <laughs> so you know you're a bit of low when you're nicking Lita's moves. Exactly. Yeah, it's literally just a twist of fate, but backwards. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not... It's... Uh, Orlando's never over in my eyes anyway, so you could give him fucking an RKO and he still won't be over. Yeah, I mean... I feel like he needs to have a knockout boxer's punch. Yeah, That yeah. needs to be, like, Big Show's knockout punch. That needs to be his finisher. Right. Not a fucking shit neckbreaker. Yeah, like, play play up the fact that he's going to be, like, he's a boxer because he, he was a legitimate boxer. So instead of just making him this generic, bald, chief of staff, like, hench, random henchman in JBL's cabinet... Give them some personality. I mean, they went too far with it in TNA. I don't know if you remember OJ and TNA. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, that, he was the juice. That was the opposite end of the spectrum there. Yeah, there was a lot of juice to be had <laughs> with Orlando Jordan and TNA. That, oh, that's yeah. a whole other podcast in itself. Oh, God, hell yeah. <laughs> Quickly, let's move on. <laughs> um, we, get, uh, we get highlights from SmackDown where the WWE title was on the line the first time ever in a hardcore match between Hardcore Holly and JBL. Um, now, we've just recently done, obviously, the build to Table Tuesday included this match. Uh, people have heard my thoughts. What were your thoughts? Did you did you watch the clip? Did you fast forward through it? I can't fault you if you did. No, I actually, I did enjoy it because I was, I, I like kind of remember this, but not really. It's just bizarre to see Hardcore Holly fighting for the WWE title. Um, and I don't really particularly remember this match with jbl but it's just so funny when you think of where these two guys were like two or three years ago like if, you, if in 2000 2001 you said okay hardcore holly and bradshaw are gonna have a hardcore match but it's for the wwe title like what i thought that was gonna be a heat match you were you were laying out for me but that, that's gonna be a main event for the world title okay okay um but absolutely and after, and as well and you could you could finish that with um so this and this is hardcore holly who this is a year after he was already in the main event and he had a match for the wwe title right. on the royal rumble crazy and but <laughs> when brock lesnar kicked fuck out of him yeah it's mental it's mental well, you... that the, the weird little push every six months of hardcore my holly. my favorite part of this hardcore match recap thing was when uh hardcore holly pulled out a cricket bat because England, do you get it, everybody? We're in England. England. We all love cricket over Absolutely. here across the pond, right? Ha ha ha, cheerio, mate. Fuck off. But then Taz doesn't know what cricket is. <laughs> it's funny. Michael Cole describes, oh, he's got a cricket bat. And Taz is like, cricket, what? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? That's a, that's a plank. Like, Taz doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> 
it's just it was a lot of nonsense why is that why is that two by four got a handle yeah, exactly <laughs> oh bless taz taz's commentary is brilliant like, i love taz. i don't know do you, do you watch much AEW? Um, do you watch much of the AEW Dark? So I watch a little bit here and there. It's funny. I actually did just catch, I think it was the latest episode. Um, it was whatever one where like negative one was on commentary. And I, I just tuned in to see that. But I, I saw how much. Yeah, he's brilliant. Like how much fun. Yeah, that, that's literally all I watch for. Yeah. He's, fun, he's brilliant. <laughs> like the, it, literally the most entertaining part of that show is the commentary. Because you got a bunch of squash matches happening in the ring with no crowd. But then you have Taz and Excalibur just shitting on each other the whole time. It's worth it just for that, I think, in my opinion. I've always loved Taz. Taz, Taz has always been a guilty uh, pleasure of mine. Yeah, Taz, Taz's commentary. Like Taz, if I think SmackDown commentary, I instantly think Michael Cole and Taz. It's it just a great. It was such an opposite of what we've had for so many years. With don't get me wrong, King and King and Jr. That's for me the the partnership of my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, I, astounding how great they were together. Uh, but on SmackDown needed their own partnership and they found one in Michael Cole and Taz and how they bounce off each other is fantastic. Yeah, they, they had great chemistry. And that was also a time where brands had their commentary teams. Like the commentary was a part of their identity. Nowadays, you got guys jumping back and forth here and there, bringing new guys in, kicking old guys out. You don't really have that, that voice of the show which I thought, you know, especially this era was great. Michael Cole and Taz, JR and King. Yeah, really, really good. I think they were uh, some rocket busters. I think you just hit the nail on the head there by, with the identity element. I think that's the biggest problem with modern day WWE. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the commentator, like Byron Saxton jumps all over, Corey Graves jumps all over. There's no structure. There's no, you, you look instantly look at a commentator and it doesn't, it doesn't resemble a show. Do you know what I mean? I always remember when JR got drafted over to SmackDown and it just felt so fucking weird. Oh, he was... I, I just read his book, JR's book, and he was pissed. He had no idea that was happening. He almost quit over it. He was so mad about it. Yeah, I've... Um, uh, he mentioned on one of his Grilling JR podcast episodes once where, yeah, it was literally out of the blue, proper left field, and he weren't expecting it, and boom, they went, tough shit, bye-bye, go and join the other fucking team. Yeah. <laughs> Replacing you with Michael Cole. But that was it. It was a weird one because you, you were so used to hearing that voice uh, linked to that show. But like I said, now, I couldn't honestly tell you, that, apart from, I think, Samoa Joe. I know he's on Raw. Raw actually has a really good set of commentators. Tom Phillips, Byron Saxton, and Samoa Joe. But it's just like, it's so produced nowadays. And the three-man booth, it, it's just, everybody's trying not to step on each other. And everybody's trying to get their soundbite shit in. And it wasn't as organic as it was here in 2004. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I've always been the one with the three mans. I've never understood it. Uh, I know Vince loves it. Cause like, if you go back to like the original Monday Night Raws, it was always a three man. It was Vince, Randy Savage, and somebody else. Vince, Jerry Lawler, Jr. It was always, always, yeah. Oh, fucking hell! How much does that guy weigh? Yeah, yeah. He loved it. He loved a three man. Vince loves a three. Who doesn't love a three man? Uh, and. It, well, there you well, I don't know if you are uh, JR and the King. I don't want to be in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's, uh, like, like I said, the commentary for me just doesn't have an identity. And even for me in 2004, Heat and, and Velocity, I, I can I still identify with certain commentators for them brands. Like, he, I could never imagine to hear Josh Matthews do Heat. Well, like, I said, right. like, like we keep saying now in modern day, you wouldn't be surprised if any commentator turned up on any brand, whether that be NXT or main event or any show. It wouldn't be surprising. 
because no one's associated with any of the brands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And even because I haven't watched Heater Velocity since like probably 2004. But I still like when you brought this show up to me, I was like, okay, Raw's going to have, you know, either Coach, Grisham, or Al Snow. And SmackDown's probably going to have Josh, Josh Matthews, Bill DeMont. I think Taz was there for a little bit too, even. So yeah, even they had their Biden. We also had the cat. The cat was there before Bill DeMott. It was uh, Josh and the cat. Oh, who could forget? Ernest Miller. Somebody call my mama. With his somebody call his mom with some <laughs> terrible commentary. They soon replaced him with even better vocal tones of Bill DeMott. Oh, yes. But shall we, with seven minutes left of the show, it's time for your main event for the Cruiserweight title. I was like, God, they're not going to get much in these right. seven minutes, are I they? noticed the same it exact is, thing. You know, <laughs> reigning defending champion Spike Dudley going up against jobber to the stars Scotty Too Hot. how dare you he never wins in singles competition uh, I wasn't feeling any which way confident for Scotty Too Hot. but what did you make to those seven minutes I mean for the time they were given they made every minute count I think I was always a big fan of the cruiserweight division even though this is kind of like the tail end of when it was awesome because I remember when, when, like, Billy Kidman and Jamie Noble, Rey Mysterio, guys like that were involved. Even, like, Ultimo Dragon popped up for a second. Like, that was a great era. Um, for That's what made SmackDown different, I think, was the Cruiserweight division. But this is, like, a weird, like, they're, like, it's, like, a regular wrestling match with guys that just happen to be small. Um, but the match itself, yeah. I thought, was pretty good. It was, it was pretty fast-paced. Um, the crowd was hot for it. They loved Sky Tuhati. They hated Spike Dudley. Spike was a pretty hateable dude at this point. And uh, yeah, I think he worked as a heel weirdly well, better than I would have thought. And Sky Too Hottie was hot. The worm is always going to pop everybody. Everybody loves a good worm in their life. Everybody everybody does love Sky Too Hottie's worm, that's for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I, I think there was a few a few decent spots in the match. Like, I quite liked at the start where they were going to go and lock up and Scotty were like, no, wait, and then starts to get a clap going. And I was very surprised that everybody got involved. I was like, yes, the fans are. And as you said, they were so behind Scotty Too Hot. They were so anti-Spike. Like, um, when he went into the corner for the 10 punches, which is something that I feel like wrestlers don't do enough these days, mm -hmm. uh, and he stops at nine, jumps down, does the little wiggle, and it's the punch. The crowd were all over that shit. All the power is the from the wiggle. Loving that. <laughs> all the powers from that wiggle. Um, we the uh, Towards the end, uh, so you've got Spike, he's a little bit dazed. Scotty Twarty, he gets that look. And it's like the old look back in the day where he'd stare at the crowd, and you knew that with the face crusher and the worm was coming. Even though the crowd were like, build them up. I was like, what are you doing? The worm's not going to go over. The worm won't get you a win. Um, obviously, it, it doesn't help him uh, because <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. So, it's a great heel move. Spike Dudley at his finest. Drops down into a pin. Grabs the ropes. No fucks given. Um, because the, coming into this, the storyline was his Spike going to be able to defend his Cruiserweight title without the assistance of his brothers right. who were still under attack from Rico. Rico's backstage chasing him around with his knob out. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so can he do it? And he did it. Again, with his heel tactics, the boss strikes again. But again, he's fighting against Scotty too hotty and uh, everyone beats him, even fucking Mordecai. Right. <laughs> don't don't go that far. Mordecai never beat anybody. In his debut match, Scotty too hotty victory. Um, oh, man. His next match with Bob Ollie, and that was it. <laughs> it was sure, over man. for Mordecai. Uh, another example of a guy that just <laughs> kind of lights on fire and then gets quickly put out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the the match itself, I think uh, exactly what you said. I think it was one of them where you've got 
two cruiserweight guys, but only cruiserweight in in stature and in weight. Mm-hmm. Actual move sets, especially Spike, especially Spike Dudley. His move set is a mid card ground and pound, especially his heel character. Right. Um. You you don't you're not. There's not that many flip de doos like you'd have if this was a Billy Kidman, Jamie Noble, Ray Mysterio. Well, probably not Jamie Noble. Jamie Noble probably qualifies more in the Spike Dudley category. But your Billy Kidmans, your Ray Mysterios, they're flying around the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chavo Guerrero, what you'd expect with the cruiserweight division. But yeah, the the cruiserweight division has gone through a weird a weird transition in the last few months. You've gone from Chavo being the champion to Jacqueline being the champion to then Chavo's father being the champion. Uh, it's it was a weird weird few months, but we kind of got back on more of an even keel where it is cruiserweight wrestlers fighting for for a reason. Where mm-hmm. before they just used to throw them all in a ring. Here's all the cruiserweights. Here are battle. At least we've got storyline. The storyline of this at the minute is Spike Dudley and his brothers and Spike turning his back on Rey Mysterio and his friends and stuff. And so there is a reason behind why they're wrestling. And I've always said that wrestling needs a reason. Yeah, but. That was Velocity then. So just like Heat, I'm going to ask you the same question. How many Mavens? Who? You know, looking through this, I mean, I could have done without OJ. Um, I'll give it I'll give it three points. So, 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 could, have, so <laughs> could have his ex-wife. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, I'll give it 3.75 Mavens. It was a good watch. It was an Oof, easy watch. Oh, boom. Boom! I was I was up there with three and a half, but I'm going to knock it up and match you. 3.75. I thought it was a very fun. <laughs> I thought it started fantastic. I thought the 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 Dudley Rico element was brilliant. So funny! It got it got pops out of me, and it get, if a, if a seashell can make me chuckle and it can make me think, actually that was quite a decent match. Then that is achieved massive beyond expectations because you don't expect to see a quality a quality in ring match. You expect to just see OJ. You expect mm-hmm. to see Chuck Palumbo. Do you know what I mean? Where that actually had a lot of meaning. You're coming off the back of a pay-per-view. And that alone set Velocity's bar very high. And it slowly dropped down as the night went on, but not down enough to the levels of, of Sunday Night Right. Heat. But even then, um, you, you end with a title match, which is easy stakes to have. You know, even the, even the recap stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who, who didn't just watch SmackDown, like oh, I'm sure the live viewers did. But I enjoyed watching Carlito versus Rey Mysterio for a little bit. I enjoyed watching Hardcore Holly hit JBL with a cricket bat. So yeah, from top to bottom, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Also, one other thing that it was just so stupid it made me laugh. When they did the replays after the matches, in the bottom left corner, and you may, you may have brought this up on the show before, but in the bottom left-hand corner, they have Damat's turning point. Like instead of replay, (laughs) as if Bill Bill DeMott DeMott is picking them. Stating the obvious. Yeah, exactly. But they're just normal replays. They just (laughs) happen to be like branded him. Time to state the obvious with Bill DeMott. With yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing different. It's like if you remember back in the day, I think like Bobby Heenan did it and Jerry Lawler did it for a while, where they had like draw on the screen and stuff and kind of give you their own perspective and their own opinion. Um, where where this is just a normal box standard replay, just with Bill DeMott's turning point logo in the corner. Exactly, yeah. Like you said, if you have, you know, you draw a circle here, you point here. Like, oh, if you would have grabbed him here instead of here, he would have had the... Nope, it's just a normal normal replay that's just branded for Bill DeMott for some reason. <laughs> just another replay. So, on that note, I think we will leave it here. That has been very, very much fun looking back, as it always is for me. 2004 heat and velocity i hope you enjoyed yourself as well but before we're out hard let everyone know if they don't already where they can find you what you're all about 
And who are you? The plot, the stage is yours. Who am I? Man, we'd be here forever if I just went on that. But uh, yes, the Apron Bump podcast. Uh, you can find me on all podcast platforms and as uh, YouTube as well. Um, you can go to apronbump.com to find uh, – it'll guide you to wherever you want to listen. It'll guide you to all my episodes and all my social media. Um, I do retro wrestling reviews. So I do reviews from the Attitude Era. I do reviews from the New Generation Era. Uh, old ROH, old TNA, uh, progress wrestling, all sorts of wrestling from all different eras and styles and try to have a lot of variety on my podcast. And if you like my boy Dave over here and you like the nonsense that comes out of his mouth, you'll also enjoy my nonsense as well. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me once again. It was a great time. It's always good to go back and uh, get some uh, philosophy and heat in me i don't get enough of that in my life absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> need some more heat in you exactly I, I feel like this episode of heat needed a bit more heat in it in oh all it was it was lukewarm at best <laughs> mild <laughs> sunday night mild <laughs> brought to you by clearasil <laughs> on that note people as always thank you for taking your time out to listen to me and my friends ramble on about the ruthless aggression era as always you can find our main feed soundcloud iTunes, wherever you find your jazz, at R8 Era Podcast. Coming next will be Taboo Tuesday 2004, very, very soon from myself and Michael. But until then, I've been Dave. That's been hard. Peace out, people. Ruthless aggression.